soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples in a large crowd went with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Beginning of this story in Luke 7. See those first two words, soon afterward. This indicates something had to have happened before. If you look back in in Luke 6, what you see is Luke's recording of the Sermon on the Mount. So this is relatively early in Jesus' ministry. And from that sermon, Jesus went over to Capernaum, which is on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And in the beginning of Luke 7, we read this story about Jesus hearing a sin, healing a centurion's servant from a distance, just with a spoken word. So Jesus, coming off of the Sermon on the Mount, coming off of healing the centurion's servant, travels to the town of Nain, which if you're looking at the Sea of Galilee is down around to the southwest about 33 miles and uh, about eight miles south and east of Nazareth, so a good distance away. And Jesus encounters a funeral procession. Now, if you think about it, our modern-day practices of burying the dead have changed drastically since, especially the time of the Civil War, drastically over the last 50 to 100 years or so. You know, it used to be when someone died, an open casket with their body was in the living room of the house where they lived, where the family gathered to console each other and to receive condolences from friends and neighbors. That that was the custom at the time. The body was displayed at home. Oftentimes, funeral service would start there at the home and then would proceed graveside. Most of the time, that casket was just a simple, plain, pine, wooden box, which would be lowered by plain ropes into a six-foot hole and then covered by the men who were present and willing to pick up a shovel as the family watched. But today, today it is a far more elegant affair. When you die, they, they take you to a beautiful mansion that employs experts at creating a tasteful presentation of your body. Makeup artists who will make you look even better in death than you did in life. 
At least that's what I'm open for. The casket is no longer a wooden box, but a polished bronze bed with cushions. The home has been removed from the process. The viewing, the ceremony, they take place at a church or at some special chapel. And when the ceremony is over, the deceased gets to ride in a limousine down the streets of town. The police stop traffic for you as you and your entourage run through all of the red lights. Traffic stops. Cars pull over to the side of the road just because you are passing by. At the cemetery, instead of crude ropes, they lower that bronze box into the grave with silver-toned winches. As your final resting place is enclosed in a slightly bigger concrete vault. It is all elegant. It is all beautiful. It's it's impressive. But you know, when it's all said and done, dead is still dead. In Jesus' day, 2,000 years ago, in Jesus' day, burial customs were much more primitive and personal. This young man likely died that same day or during the night before. The Jews, as a practice, did not embalm. Burials typically took place within the first 24 hours of the death. A few women, usually relatives, likely even this mother, would wash the body, anoint it with spices and ointments and wrap it in strips of linen. Then the body would be placed on a, on a wooden stretcher. Uh, the term is beer, B-I-E-R would be placed on this funeral bier. And then they would loosely cover the bier with body and all with a shroud. The funeral procession was important. It would begin at the home of the deceased and going through the village and ending up at the cemetery, which was always outside of the city. If the family could afford it, they would hire professional mourners who played dirges and shouted great laments and wept loudly. Because you see, their custom, their belief was that the big commotion honored the dead and a loud crowd was considered an appropriate expression of grief. 
And along the way, the procession would pick up steam as the weeping and wailing would get louder and stronger as other villagers joined in the procession as it passed by. Now you stop and you think about that. Isn't that a contrast to the way we do funerals today? Rather than weeping and wailing, we try to hold our grief in. You know, we're apt at a funeral to look at the family and say, they're handling this well, which, mean, which is a way of saying they're not crying too much. Think about this woman for just a moment. Even today, we can empathize with her grief and the extent of it. Not only has she lost her husband, now she has lost her only son. Is there a more painful grief than to bury a child? But that day, she was also burying her future security. See, in that society, women had very little rights, little way to earn income. They would be dependent upon a relative to care for them. And it was a son's duty, a responsibility to care for and to support his mother And without her only son, there's a strong likelihood that this woman would be forced to beg in order to survive. Luke uses a phrase to describe Jesus' grief, which is... um, Which is very interesting, you know, when he says, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. That almost reflects our modern way of trying to distance ourselves from what's going on in grief. Because you see, Luke uses one of the most intense words that could be used for this emotion. Most of the English translations from the New, from, from the King James all the way to the English Standard Version, what, the, what they say is he had compassion on her, which doesn't quite capture it. In fact, Peterson in the message, I think, comes the closest or or, or says best what is actually what should be the feeling there when Peterson says, when Jesus saw her, his heart broke. In thinking about it this week, what, what I thought about was a gut punch. You ever had such a strong emotion that it felt like somebody 
just punched you in the gut. That's what's going on here, that spontaneous, visceral grief. You see, Jesus was touched deeply by her tears. He literally hurt for her. None of us are spared from the deep emotion of heartbreak. Either from the loss of family or from a close friend. Grief is a very human emotion. And you know, Jesus, he turns to this widow and he says, don't cry. I think about that. You know, personally, telling somebody in the midst of their grief and their pain to not cry almost always feels a bit inappropriate to me. Yet God's perspective on our problems is never our perspective. Even in death, you see, he sees beyond the immediate and he sees the eternal. He sees beyond the sorrow and he offers us salvation. He sees beyond the grave and he gives us grace. Verse 14, then Jesus went up and touched the bier. They were carrying him on. And the bearer stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were filled, all filled with grief, with, excuse me, with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. So it ends on a high note. Did you notice that the procession stopped when Jesus reached out and touched the beer? That was something nobody ever did, touching a beer or a dead body. It, it defiled the dead. It defiled the offender who would dare to, to reach out, yet friends, Jesus reaches across the barriers that we are afraid to cross. We read in scripture that he reached out and he touched lepers. He touched the crippled, the blind, and the dead. And friend, he is willing to reach into your messy life and to touch you if you will let him. While the pallbearers were probably wondering why 
he would dare to do such a thing. Jesus calls out to this young man and he says, young man, arise. That's the word. It's the same word that he used for others. Now, I wonder what it would have been like to have been one of those pallbearers at that moment. Have you ever been to a haunted house? And they have somebody lying down. Have you ever seen something move suddenly you didn't expect to move? That wasn't supposed to move? I can imagine that they almost dropped that beer when that man sat straight up. But notice this. That widow's son heard Jesus. He heard him. And he began to speak. Now, I don't know what this says about death, but I do know what this says about life. Death does not keep us from hearing the voice of the Lord. Why? Because life continues after death. Amen? Amen. This thought is central to Christianity. It is central to our faith. If this life is all there is, why be good? Why not go for the gusto? Why not do everything solely for yourself? Why even try to be good? If there is no heaven... Why serve God? Yet, Lazarus heard Jesus say, Arise, and he came out of the grave. Jairus' daughter heard Jesus say, Little girl, arise. And she got up and was hungry. And this man of name heard the voice of God and he started talking. Now, I don't know what he said, but you know what I believe he said? Praise God. I can tell you that's what his mama said. And that garden grave, will also be found empty. And Jesus will be seen alive three days after that cruelty of the cross. For he also arose. All of this, my friends, all of this is to convince us that life continues after what we call death now let me be clear about this fact there were only a few people in all of the gospel stories that Jesus restored to their physical life 
And clearly, he did not heal everyone who was suffering from disease or illness. And it is not that he could not. That wasn't his mission. Friend, Jesus didn't die to bring you and I a longer physical life in this realm. He died to give us entrance into the next realm. Jesus healed and saved these three from the grave in order to show us how we can be healed and saved beyond the grave. Their resurrection should give us hope for that world that lies beyond. Should give us comfort beyond what we can see and touch and feel. It should help to remind us That power does not lie in the cross or in the grave. It doesn't lie in an instrument of torture, of hate and death. But it lies in resurrection. Because you see, resurrection is the evidence of the world to come. When you start reading in Acts, you start looking at uh, what Paul wrote later. You start thinking about that first century church, that er early church. They didn't celebrate the cross. You know what they celebrated? Resurrection. The early preaching didn't emphasize the cross. You know what it emphasized? Resurrection. It is resurrection power that we cling to even when you may be physically in jail you know what one guy wrote about being in jail and where his hope was he wrote this I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Family, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Christ was crucified for our sin and he was raised on the third day for our hope. You see, Jesus does not want to give us a temporary reprieve. What he wants to do is to give us abundant life. Life that goes beyond this world that we know, that goes into eternity. You see, my friends, 
He wants us to prepare now for going home. Father God, we thank you for those moments that we see in Scripture where you gave us that inkling of life that goes beyond this world. And we thank you, Father, that we can be just as happy as that mother was, elated when we realize that this world holds nothing on us and that this world is not our home that we're only passing through. And you have established a place for us. We thank you for that hope which is ours. In Jesus' name, amen.